Hi again, everybody, moms and dads, boys and girls. You are in the chatter zone. This is episode 116. Becky is in the co-pilot seat. Hello, Dubuque. And, and uh, Cindy. And Cindy Coleman. Whom, Hello. Whom nobody knows. Nobody and we're knows. We're going to get to know her in in a moment after we begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Becky, we got good news from Colleen just in the last hour. She can't be here, but she was with Mother Jan, who had... uh, Hip surgery. And it went well. Yay, Jan. We know. She's she's tough. She's going to do just great. Hey, Jan. Hope you're listening, because she's not walking around quite yet. <laughs> Give it a couple minutes. Give her a couple minutes. Yeah, if you do Jan, yeah, it'll be a little tired down. They, they, uh, they, they start therapy rather yeah, quickly on that all, stuff. Whole difference from when I anyway. First, started. thanks to the yep. folks over at Hot Works on Holiday Drive with two L's. Two L's. Did you know there's two L's in Holiday Drive out? I thought there was just one. There's two. Not in Dubuque. Okay. Only I've in got Dubuque. to pay attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. we snuck up on us. We were doing probably 60 episodes before we understood there was two L's on Holiday Drive Okay. in Dubuque. And as I mentioned, this is episode 116. There's some people that hear your voice now, Cindy, and they're beginning to recognize it. But there's probably a handful who don't know who Cindy Coleman is, so... Who are you really, and what were you before? What oh, did no. you do, and what did you think? I took off my superwoman cape for yes, the episode here, that. so you know it's kind of hanging by the door there. But anywho, um, I've had an interesting career, um, many different things. Yes, um, some media things, uh, lots of media things. In fact, I right. was in TV for a couple of years when we had uh, uh, what was it? They had different KDUB. I guess was the you uh, were on KDUB? Yeah, with Gary Dolphin. And oh my goodness! Terry Swales and wow. some big names. That was you. I remember Dolphin and Swales. Yeah, I did reporting. I interned there in my college days. And, what uh, uh, what era is this? Nineteen. 19- so mid eighties ish. Yeah. Okay. So did that. And was that when it was out on uh, the South End? No, it was not Evergreen Park. But interesting story when it was Evergreen Park out there. That that whole station has an interesting story. But right, right. when I was was five or six years old our dancing group went out there <laughs> tap dancing away and we were on uh, the old kdub out there i forgot about that yeah, yeah yeah and so interestingly enough um flash forward in the sense that so i'm nine or ten years old i take a tour of uh, uh radio station downtown mm-hmm. um kdth and gary dolphin is there as the sports director right and he gave the tour I'm super excited about radio and media at that time. Um, So flash forward, high school days, school newspaper, editor. Where'd you go to high school? Went to senior high here in town. Okay, and And you were on the, uh, what was the name of the Ram News? The Ram News. Ram News. Did the Ram News, was the news editor there. 
and uh, learned a lot from uh, my advisor there, a gal by the name of Sarah Woolrab, who went on to Des Moines after Dubuque, I think. Wow. And um, got a scholarship, actually, while I was still in high school, to the University of Iowa in the summertime to their writer's workshop and did some newspaper work for a week or so down there. You um, weren't at senior high when the Ram's Den was open up there, were you? No, I that don't think so. Yeah. before you. I'm yeah. dating myself. Yeah, okay. Anyway. That's, that's okay. So, anywho, so my background, really a lot of fundamental um, in news in journalism. Um, and then when I graduated college, um, actually worked at the other radio station for a while doing news and then um, down to KDTH and Gordon Kilgore, who a lot of people will recognize that name. He was my boss mm-hmm. at, at KDTH. Um, Sound Off was the program at that time. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that was the program that you had to tune into just to make sure you weren't like the person that everyone was talking about. Sounding off on. Sounding off on. So, and that was something that I remember just vividly at our dinner table that we had to listen to that. You know, if it was in the evening, it usually was the 1230 spot, but mm-hmm. there was an evening spot that Gordy did as well. Was that a, a live in the evening or a rerun of the It was it? a live one, yeah. He did not do the the afternoon one that long because Gordy, my goodness, that man, he was in at 330 in the morning, 334 3 th- o'clock. I can verify that because... When I was covering city council and finishing up one of the very long sessions of the city council mm-hmm. and finished up at like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, I was finishing up to go down and write a story or two and Gordy was just coming into work. So, yes, that's when he... He came in. I know you're, I'm getting these puzzled looks like, oh my gosh, I'm glad the city council doesn't go that long these days, but uh, there were some long sessions. Some long sessions. Way back when. So you had quite a... Uh... Mentoring, I mean, to work with Gordy Kilgore, mm-hmm. Gary Dolphin. Yeah. Who else uh, was in the uh, there were, um, both buildings? You were at both locations. Both locations. Jack Kilcoin was a name. Jack, sure. Um, I worked Tom with Jack. Berryman. I remember um, Berryman, yeah. Yeah, and so kind of graduating off of some folks that knew a lot, did a lot, and covered a lot. And, you know, and it was exciting to me to be able to be what I called in many instances the voice of the voiceless, which will bring about what my my current career is in that there were a lot of groups and organizations that just didn't get a whole lot of publicity. You're talking early in your career. Early in my career, yeah. And so that being said, I thought, you know, it's, it's a good thing that I'm in this position because I can see these kinds of things and do these stories. Yeah, you're going to have your accident stories and your murders and all that other what I call gunk, right? But mm-hmm. we need to know what's going on in our community. But then there's the other stuff. There's, you know, the Kiwanis Club, the Rotary. You know, what are those folks doing? And some of the organizations like St. Vincent de Paul. And they're, they're doing a lot of work behind the scenes. And I thought it was just neat to be able to bring those kinds of things out. And so we flash forward. Um, and at one point in my career then, um, a uh, position opened up for Congressman Jim Nussel and oh. to be a caseworker. So what, and, what era was this then? So what? this was the would-be around 2000-ish, right before. It wasn't 2001 yet. It was 2000. It was before mm-hmm. 9-11 mm-hmm. happened. 
And so the fall at that point uh, happened. There was an opening. and What did Nussel want you to do? So it was casework, which a lot of folks don't understand. They think that when you work for a congressman, you're campaigning and, right. you know, you're partisan. But when you are a caseworker, doesn't matter if you are Republican, Democrat, Druid, doesn't matter if you have a problem with Social Security, military, any federal agency, that's when the caseworker steps in and investigates. That's all the legwork. Yeah, it does the legwork. IRS could be somebody who's, you know, they're saying that, hey, you didn't pay your back taxes and you know you did, um, and you're having struggles even getting a hold of some of these agencies. So the congressional office, who's the person who's the caseworker, you step in and do it. And that's where my early, and I always say that God put me in certain positions to learn things, such as my journalistic background of learning Mm -hmm. who these managers were, who these other people were, gave me a little bit of a leg up on anyone else who would step into that position because I already knew who these people were. So if someone's having a problem with the Social Security Administration, I knew the person at the local office. Someone had a problem with XYZ over here at its federal office, I knew that. Were there a lot of people I didn't know? Yeah, you bet. It's the federal government. So, (laughs) yeah, let's face it. And it's so much bigger now than it ever was before. So Nussel called you, but were you employed by Nussel's office or Mm -hmm. he just... Yeah, I was, I was, I ended up being, I was a federal employee. Uh, So he called and said, hey, this position is open. Uh, Would you like to come and, you know, see if you were interested in this? Yep. Interviewed for the job. I I really enjoyed that. Worked for him for six years. But during that time, yes, 9-11 happened and that changed everything as we know it. Well, even simple things, people coming into the office, you know, you, you, you had that sense. It was almost like 9-11 was kind of like the people's COVID. You were mm-hmm. worried about who came into the office. You were worried about, you know, what was going to happen next. So there was oh, worried based on yeah. mistrust, mistrust or suspicion? of society of what, what's going to happen next. It's all, we didn't know what was going to happen next. I mean, even taking a flight from, at, at that time, we didn't fly out of Dubuque because we couldn't get the governmental rates wanted to save the taxpayers, so we'd fly out of Cedar Rapids or Moline. Um, but anyway, if you had a one-way ticket, which sometimes I had a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C. after 9-11, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you get pulled aside, <laughs> ask these questions. Really? Why are you taking a one-way ticket out of to, Cedar Rapids? Out of Cedar Rapids to go to Washington, D.C. So you're working for Nussel. You're based in Dubuque. D.C. You're I'm based, based in, in Dubuque, Dubuque. But I would travel to D.C., to do things, to meet with people, et cetera, et cetera. Like a good example, when our chamber would go out there, I'd be sure I was out there. So kind of the Dubuque liaison into D.C. or some other training types of things. And they're asking you all things. kinds of questions. Right oh, here. my goodness, yeah. And the Because just looking at you, Cindy, you look I suspicious. Look suspicious. Doesn't she look suspicious <laughs> uh, you back know, here? But the interesting thing was that one of the things that, that, and again, we didn't know who to trust. Nobody knew who to trust. You're getting on an airplane. And one of our gals from Washington, D.C. had actually gotten my ticket. And everybody knows me as Cindy and not as Cynthia. But on my official documentation, it says Cynthia. And so, oh, the hubbub, because my ticket was under the name Cindy and my driver's mm-hmm. license mm-hmm. said Cynthia. So there was a situation at the one airport where I said, well, let's let's call the congressman. Let's let's get this sorted out. And the person who was searching me at the airport wasn't too happy, took my purse and dumped it upside down. And it was not a good scene at that time. But, you know, down in Cedar Rapids, down in Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Not Dubuque. Want to make sure I'm saying that. But it was down in Cedar Rapids. Yeah. So, again, it was a whole era of we didn't know who to trust, why to trust, when to trust. 
but it was it was a great job. I loved it. I loved trying to help people. And oh, you, were, you were there for six years from about 2000 years. to 2006? Six, about. yeah, and he left office. He had an unsuccessful campaign for governor. So officially it was January 2007 when I left that position, yeah. So um, that position was— And that was full-time. Ticket. That was full-time. You were out of broadcasting at that point? Out of broadcasting at that point and left broadcasting probably about— six, seven years-ish, um, had a um, couple other jobs, worked at the Kennedy Mall as their marketing director out there, um, worked in assisted living, um, did some social work as well as... Well, you just can't hold a job. So I yeah. know. <laughs> Great background. Yeah. Great and, background. And, and those are the types of jobs. Again, I'm learning all different aspects of people's lives. You know, why are people successful? Why are people failures? Mm-hmm. Um, and assisted living was very interesting, very eye-opening. So what does that mean, assisted living? Assisted Where living. Was that? that is here in Dubuque, a couple of our senior living uh, apartments. But when you say assisted living that's someone who is in between living independently or someone who's going to a nursing home or a skilled nursing facility so that means you would maybe have someone come to your apartment once a day to just remind you it's time to take your medicine someone who'd make sure that you maybe you don't have complete memory loss but you know just remembering hey it's time for lunch it's time for evening meal um people who need socialization um they may may need help with their bath yeah you know it depends assisted living there's various levels Mm -hmm. of care yep so so yeah mm -hmm. and so those types of things where folks can't quite like i said live on their own um but with just a little help they can still live fairly independently and so and sometimes this happens maybe someone has a stroke and they're not going to be there permanently but they need some help while they're rehabilitating and so they would go into there so anyway working with those folks doing that and promoting those facilities and then the uh, excitement came around again that Congressman Blum was looking for someone to run the debut Rod office. Blum. Yeah. Yeah. And so that I That would have been that. when, though? That would have been 2018-ish, somewhere in that next So you left Nussel in about six or seven. S- yeah. And you were at the Kennedy Mall for... Some Three years? years-ish, somewhere in that neck of the woods. But in between, then I became, uh, KDTH had a job opening uh, for Voices of the Tri-States. Um, Tom Berryman, newsman, he was retiring from that Tom show. Tom Berryman gave me my big break. Did he? Yeah. All right. I was at Wallard High School before okay. we graduated, and he needed somebody to do st- statistics Okay. for his, uh, he, he had a great play-by-play, basketball, football, okay. baseball. Remember the Kiwanis softball? I'm oh dating my myself gosh, back. Kiwanis softball! Yeah. And um, and I got to see the world with Tom Berryman and Bill Gerber, okay, and a few other uh, coaches, and uh, that's where I learned to uh, drink coffee because my first <laughs> <laughs> my first gig was at Dalzell Field before the press box, the new press box, yeah, just an open thing. It was a barn. Oh, and that was a rickety rickety. Way to get up you had there. to go up a ladder. Yep, and it was cold. Very cold. There was no heat there. There was no heat. Mm -mm. You were just in a barn in the press box. And I ordered coffee because I could not write statistics. My hand had frozen, and I had to order coffee. (laughs) To hold the coffee cup. To to warm my hands to be able to do the statistics. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then when it got cool enough, I, I drank it because it was the only thing there. There's, there's things you learn, right? It's like if you're going to be outside, uh, you know, get that cup of soup, get that cup of coffee, and yeah. And yeah. you do what you need to do to get the job done. Yeah, indeed, here. I digress, but Berryman yes. always uh, strikes uh, he and Hammer, Paul Hammer. Oh, who, Paul Hammer, uh, yes. Got, got me into that here. So you were uh, back at uh, Rod Blum's office. office. You started telling that story. Yeah, I did. And like I say, I'm still doing voices. At that time, somewhere along the line there, was doing voices of the Tri-States. And uh, How many then, years has that been, though? That I've been doing voices that of show. Voices the Tri-States? Oh, my gosh. I was looking back. I'm thinking it was like maybe 12, 15 years I've been. I don't know how many years for sure, but somewhere in that neck of the woods. But it has to be. Yeah, doing that along with other careers. So doing two jobs, same time. Um, but interesting, again, the, the differences between the two congressmen working in the office were when I worked for congressman number one, People would be disagreeing with a position or a vote, and I said, "Well, you know," and I get I would take those phone calls too. I'll mm-hmm. get this to the congressman, and you know we can agree to disagree. And most of the time, I was able to end that conversation peacefully. And the go round with Rod Blum, when I would have people who were on the phone, most of the time they were screaming at me. They were telling me awful things and awful words, and there was no agreeing to disagree with me. I was wrong they were right and i I had a few death threats too so kidding you think it was just the change of the times i mean change of the times the the attitude the social media that i can say or do whatever i want um not only over the phone but we had some some protests down there too Mm -hmm. and i i had people spitting in my face it was it was a terrible time it really was wow the Um, uncivility of of the electorate right and you know again Protest, peaceful protest, true peaceful protest. That's fine. You know, put your sign up. Uh, let me know what your concerns were. And that's what I thought with, with Congressman number one. Now, Congressman number two, there was no peacefulness. It was our way or the highway. And people who were just literally screaming at me at the top of their lungs. And uh, and just point of clarification, yeah. it, it, it's a a contrast between Congressman one and Congressman two. Yeah. But is it related to the congressman or just related more to the changing times? Related to the changing times. Yeah. I yeah. truly believe that, that it really had had nothing to do with the positioning. Yeah, because nothing both, between Nussel and Blum. Both were very, yeah. both were very, you know, conservative and uh, right to life folks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they held true to just conservative values, family values. Our guest is Cindy Coleman, and uh, we thought in the first segment we'd get through everywhere you've been, and we only got up to the last decade. So we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break and come back and talk to uh, the voice of the Tri-States, Cindy Coleman, right after these announcements on FM 98.3 KCRD. back we're in the studio with uh, a real treat becky cindy coleman's in the house for episode 116 and and we had to we had to cut you off there i know uh, i'm a talker yeah my favorite subject me yes indeed (laughs) (laughs) i'm not that self 
No, no. <laughs> Try not to be. I was just saying, you know, every job just was another layer for you. It's such a great background for 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 doing everything else that I do in my life. And that's where, like I say, it, sometimes it sounds a little corny, but for me, it, it shows me that, you know, God does have a path for us. God has a reason for what it is we do. If we are open to listening and open to just letting God take the lead, sometimes I always know when I screw up, when I don't let God take the lead. Like and, go and let God. Yeah, yep. absolutely, absolutely. I always find myself coming up with an idea and saying, and God, you do approve of this, right? Yes. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> is this okay? Is I've this worked one? all the details out. Can you approve this here? <laughs> the great CEO. Yeah, indeed. So, Cindy Coleman's here. We got up to your um, opportunity with Congressman Nussel. And then, you're right, Bloom was the uh, Mm -hmm. second Mm -hmm. uh, congressman. Uh, Let's pick it up there. Yeah, and and so when that job was was finishing, uh, the congressman, Congressman Blum, lost re-election. And so at that point, um, I was actually approached by um, the captain, the local captain of the Salvation Army. And uh, wanted to know if I wanted to join with them they are st- they were starting a national program which is similar to not as as intense as this other program i'm going to talk about with saint vincent de paul the back to work with saint vincent de paul but it was called pathway of hope and the this is at the salvation army downtown here in dubuque right is national program and the program is designed again for folks who are either in crisis or those that are not able to sustain their life to work with them for job security, for mental stability, for substance abuse help, things like that. To what get time frame is this, Cindy? The, in the, that was a, well, about five years ago now um, that so I worked with them. So 2018, 19? Yeah, right after I left uh, Congressman Blum. So hopped into that. And uh, the work itself, um, it was it was very interesting. Like I say, it was one of those things that you always know when you're being guided by a force greater than yourself. So did the captain know you? How did how did the captain just he, approach the, you? Well, our office for Rod Blum was up on Main Street, and he was fairly new to the Salvation Army, and he was walking around the block to meet his neighbors, and mm-hmm. he was a little bit of a, a political junkie himself, and so he walked in, and so we had a conversation, and so I actually put him on my radio show, and I said, well, I want to put you on, you know, and talk about who you are and get to know you a little bit. You're talking voices of the tri-states. Voices of the tri-states, right. And Over so, on uh, KDTH. On is KDTH. that every noon? or That's every uh, 1230, Monday through Friday. Yeah. Wow. So, so you're doing I'm 250 doing shows, shows a year. A year. Wow. Yeah. And so I did have him on, and after that, that's when he asked me and said, well, you, you know a lot of people, you know a lot of things, and are you interested in joining up? And I, at that time, I didn't have any other things that I was really looking at job-wise, in fact... Because um, you were expecting to get reelected. Well, we were, <laughs> in in the sense that um, I thought that he had a more solid campaign, again, six of one, half dozen of another, depending which side of the fence you fall down on, but he had the experience and this and that. But that being said, some of the protests and things like that, I had even thought about just taking some time off, because I don't want to compare myself to someone who was in the military and has PTSD, but 
it was almost that kind of experience that it was so rough and it was so... And you're talking here in Dubuque. Here in Dubuque, not even in Washington, D.C. Protests. Protests, people coming in and screaming at me, threatening my life, threatening my intern's life um, that we had in the in office. In the office right there on Main. Right there on Main Street here in Dubuque. Because you were the first person they encountered they when encountered. they walked into the office. Absolutely. And so, again, people not understanding the difference between someone who is a caseworker who is helping people um, as opposed to someone who is a political person and just, you know, going for the party politics, not understanding what the issues are. The other things, what I call the other things that the media doesn't really report on. And that's why I call, you know, healthcare, Alzheimer's disease, those types of things that, you know, that really make our lives. You know, to this day, I still do volunteer uh, lobbying for the Alzheimer's Association. And in fact, a few weeks ago, um, Iowa caucuses are interesting because they put us in touch with all kinds of presidential candidates, which is fabulous. And and one person I hadn't talked with was former President Trump. And so uh, they called on a Sunday afternoon, his, his folks did, and said, hey, would you like him on your show tomorrow? And I said, sure. What the heck? Um, so they gave me seven minutes. The voice of the tri-state. Voice of the tri-states. And so I said, what the heck? Um, they gave me seven minutes. And so, but one of my questions to him was about Alzheimer's disease and that up until COVID, it was the most expensive disease in the United really? States. Yep. Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $256 billion. I'm talking caregivers, cost of, you know, the assisted living or memory care or something like that, you know, and you put that all together and the cost of that was enormous. And actually during the Trump administration, sidebar, um, his administration was probably, I think, if I, and he and I talked about this on the air, was was able to take, the only administration able to take that under a billion dollars for funding for research, and right now it's at three billion dollars for research, and at the time it was at six hundred and some million dollars for research compared to cancer, which at that time was getting, I think, about three or five billion, AIDS, HIV, around seven billion but here mm. is Alzheimer's, which is costing all this money. But anyway, he and I talked about that. And so that being said, you know, again, I start thinking to myself, I'm in this great position to ask some of these world leaders, doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your political leanings are, to ask them and say, hey, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. We need to work on this. I don't really care what color tie you're wearing. I don't care this or that. Those That's are right. The peripheries, the entertainment part let's narrow it down what's going to make society a better society for us for the world mm-hmm. and so those are those were my issues you know when i talked with him so you know again like i said god puts us into those positions but anyway getting back to my time at the salvation army um there's a lot of things they hadn't been doing that i was excited that i could take the lead on what was the name of the program again pathway of hope was this a new program for them in for, Dubuque? For Dubuque, yes. For Dubuque, okay. Nationally, they'd been doing it for about 10 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And for Dubuque, it was new. But part of that was, um, as you look at the big scope and the big picture of people, that they need to, you know, take a look not only, like a lot of times people say, well, people who are out of a job, all you need to do is get a job, right? No, you know, th- there's so many components to it. There's the there's the mental part of it. There's people who haven't ever worked, people who aren't nutritionally sound, you know, how can you concentrate at work if you don't 
you know, have any food in your stomach. You know, you, you've got to get all of those now, things together. Now, was that new to you, or did you have a sense of that before you went into the uh, position? I had a little bit of a sense of it, um, but when you take a deep dive and you try to figure out what is it that this person needs, why aren't they successful? So one of the big things I saw um, as the snow melted that spring is we had this big lawn, and I'm thinking, we need to put in a garden. For our food pantry You're that we have. talking down at, uh, at the, the Salvation Army. Which is on... Iowa Street. Iowa yeah. and 10th? Somewhere in that neck of the woods. 11th? 11th. Yeah. Somewhere in that neck of the woods. And so, you know, it, it was one of those things that things just fell into place when I said to the captain, we need to put into a garden. Uh, all of a sudden, I found out about a grant we could have for this. There was a gentleman who called us who needed some work uh, community service for a, a crime he'd committed and he was a farmer and he could turn over our land for us and worked with ISU Extension found out that some of our land down there it must have been from some of the backwash of the Mississippi River was some of the best land that he had seen and so I always at 11th and Iowa yes yes <laughs> I always joke to people that when God I mean that's yeah. prime Parking That's ramp. Absolutely. I mean, if you could have put a parking ramp. Absolutely. But when God says, feed my people, he doesn't kid around. Okay. It's it's one of those things we put in just two strips of, of area that I had tomatoes and beans and peas and those kinds of things. This garden, even, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm left there now, would produced, and I weighed out as we would harvest, yeah. well over a thousand pounds of produce every no way. year Yahweh so who worked on this garden so besides it, it Cindy it was myself and we had a maintenance man Victor who amazing guy he came to us actually from Puerto Rico he had worked on banana plantations and he <laughs> i know I have, I come into God has a sense of humor. He does. He He does. All right, everyone, you're listening to the chatter. This is not Orson Welles science fiction, (laughs) the gardens of the world. No, it's not. And and so Victor worked on it. We had a couple of our other folks that that were just plain old volunteers. Another one of our volunteers, interesting story. She was an oncologist. And when we, she would come down to harvest, which was great for her because it would kind of clear her mental state you know you're working with all of these intense things and after i'd gone through an area of like say the cherry tomatoes she would dive in and she would find a whole bunch more tomatoes in there that i didn't even know were there and i thought well that makes sense you're an oncologist and you find things and so she would find these extra tomatoes that oh i didn't even know you were don't there. look like a gardener i am i'm a master gardener you are not yes i am yeah. So what does that mean? What's a master gardener? Master gardener means that I took this the class with ISU Extension and Outreach. So um, we go through this curriculum of learning soils and plant types and, you know, from trees to shrubs to berries to tomatoes and those kinds of things. What to water, when to water, when to plant, what not to plant, where at, et cetera, et cetera. And so you take tests. Okay. And it's a couple-year program, isn't it? It's, it actually is. So that's With lots of volunteer time. Volunteer time. So you take the class. You know this. Well, only because I had looked in it one time, but I was working... Okay. A lot of Becky, hours. It didn't Becky, happen. you look like a gardener. You you could be yeah, a look Cindy, you fingers. don't look like a gardener. <laughs> yeah, I'm today I look like I don't know what. I'm cut I've got hair going every which way. But you know, but that's the great thing what about a, being a the gardener is garden is so fan, forgiving, right? Fantastic. You can you can look 
however you want to look in that garden. And but this garden went crazy. I, I, and so I you had a thousand pounds of produce. Yeah, at, the first year. Yeah. So first where year. did it go? So this went through the pantry that we had at Salvation okay. Army. So, Wonderful. So and then I also started at that time a mobile food pantry, which really? we would go to mostly senior independent living apartments that a lot of times folks didn't have the extra cash um so and then i would have and i knew this i kind of had an idea this was happening but one gal wrote me i still carry around this thank you note in my purse that she said i had to choose between my medication and my produce and i had to get my medication but because you brought out the produce i was able to have tomatoes and carrots and beans and I could so that's that's what you had in the garden. You yes, tomatoes, carrots, beans. beans. Yeah, and there were other things we had. We had cabbage, and we had. But that's just what she had had, you know. And so it was just. That's not it, a very big spot down on eleventh. No, Iowa. it's not. But like I say, the garden overproduced. We had squash. You down had great there. soil. Yeah, it's great soil. We had, and it would just keep producing and sometimes i'd be like really i you know i'd be out there five six days a week when i would finish work at five o'clock in the afternoon and then a couple more hours into the evening that i would go ahead and harvest and wash it down and have it all ready for the pantry the next day so but like i say victor who is maintenance would help and do some of the harvesting tune we had a couple other volunteers well then the covid that was 2019 covid okay. years hit okay so we had a lot of folks of our other volunteers that that did not and you know we didn't know how close we could be to each other or this or that mm-hmm. so a lot of that time was just victor and myself and we were down there and we were harvesting and planting and doing all kinds of stuff so incredible yeah we we did this and it was like i say for me that was a labor of love the other labor of love is starting children's programming that we did down there um a lot of times you think about you know the adults that you want to work with in these Mm back-to-work programs but they got kids and kids in chaos let's get their brains centered on something that's a little bit fun something you know like our, what age of kids what's the age we're rate? talking like age five on up through high school so we i started a music program down there from again wrote a grant thank you to the folks from the dra um ukuleles guitars we did drumming colts drum and bugle corps helped us out with that they came in and taught some drumming wow um and then our archery program which i was very proud of i got certified my mom was a certified instructor mom passed away but took those classes you know from her and understood that and so with that um sometimes it's the kids that we find the issues with the adults and and vice versa in that the kid's mom had come to our pantry and we had shown her the brochure bring the kids to archery and and this is just one family there's other families that i can talk about but um and so in talking with the kids did not know that mom and the two kids are living in the car their car okay in dubuque in dubuque yeah so and this is we found this out because of the archery program and the kids telling us this so we were able then to talk to mom and say hey let's get you guys into a shelter which we did got them into the teresa shelter and moving then from shelter and working with her from shelter to temporary apartment to now regular apartment where they're at we got about two minutes three minutes left before the break cindy and we're going to get to saint vincent de paul in the third segment but the family in the car yeah most people wouldn't believe that here in Dubuque. Yeah. What, you know, what, what it's do what you a, know about the homeless and the 
families in the car in Dubuque. You got three minutes. Yep, absolutely. A lot of people don't realize that homeless in Dubuque, it's not like you see in LA or San mm. Francisco where they're on the streets in tents, right? It's it's a hidden, a lot of times it's a hidden homelessness, whether they're living in a car or a tent down by the river or in woods, or it could be just flopping in somebody's garage. Um, a recent gal I came into contact with was living in a garage with her dog. She didn't want to go to the shelter because she couldn't bring her dog. And so mm-hmm. this was during our sub-zero temperatures. And so kind of moved her. You're talking a, just a couple of weeks just ago. Just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So, but we estimate, and there's an estimate, not just me, but other folks, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 to 2,000 people in Dubuque that are actually. Say that again. 1,500 to 2,000 people who are homeless. Becky, would you, any, any of no. the people we hang around with uh, no. believe that number? No, no. It's huge. It's huge. People who are living on couches, in garages, friends, and human trafficking that gets mixed into yeah, this whole thing. Yeah. It's it's a issue that it's hidden from us if our lives are great and good because we don't know about these. We We don't go to the pantries. We don't see someone who comes in that all they have is what's in their backpack. Wow. Our guest is Cindy Coleman, and we're on her near 40-year career ride. Journey, yeah. Journey uh, that has, it seems like it's a building block on a building block, Becky, one thing leading to another. We're going to come back here in segment number three to talk about the latest chapter in your career at St. Vincent de Paul and how you're making an impact for the folks here in Dubuque. I can't believe that statistic, Cindy. 1,500, 2,000 people homeless without an address here in Dubuque. You're listening to The Chatter. This is episode 116. We'll be back after these announcements. And thank you to the folks on Holiday Drive over at Hotworks. We'll be right back. studio our guest is cindy coleman you've heard her voice for years on kdth voices of the tri-states kdub if you're old enough to remember wdbq for a while um and mentored with some of the great local radio and television professionals uh, shaping your career i want to go back to that statistic you just dropped a bomb on us because I haven't heard that anywhere, Becky. 1,500 to 2,000 Dubuquers without a home, without an address. They're in a car. They're down by the river in a van. They're they're in a tent. That should set all of us back on our heels. Somebody's garage. And, and, you know, and those are the kinds of things, before I started intensely working with those in poverty, those who are homeless, I would have never guessed it. We have a set of transient people that for whatever reason, do like living on the streets. Mental illness, substance abuse, sometimes both going on at the same time, Mm -hmm. self-medicating. Sometimes it's veterans that they just can't, even though there's a lot of services for veterans, just can't somehow... They're not fitting in. ...make it work. And you hear the statistics of 
when you hear about the suicides of veterans, I think, wow, in the United States of America, how does this happen? And I say the same thing about people who are living on the streets in the United States of America. How does this happen? Well, it, it's many reasons. Like I said. How does it happen in Dubuque? In Dubuque. That, and again, you look at our unemployment rate and our unemployment rate. You know, people are begging you go down Chevenel and now hiring, 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 mm. hiring, hiring. And you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, just get a job. That will just solve the problem. No, no, it doesn't, unfortunately. So today you find yourself at St. Vincent de Paul. Yeah. Let's I'm, talk about how that happened. What are you doing? What's a day in the life like? And how are you making a difference? Absolutely. It's all yours. Uh, again, I, I say to God, thank you for my trail and my discovery of St. Vincent de Paul and their discovery of me. Um, I had heard that this, this job was available back to work. And there's a just the actual, you know, number two in there, back to work. And mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend of mine who said, hey, Cindy, have you checked this out? Knowing that, you know, it, sometimes you get that feeling that it's time for a change in your life. And so with that, um, then I ended up interviewing for the job and got the job, excited to be about back. What time frame is this now? So this is this fall. Yeah. 2023. Then, yeah. And so what is back to work? And that's that's a really good question. How do you get folks that maybe have never worked, people who are in this generational poverty of not only one generation, but two generations, mm-hmm. three generations now is what we're working on of people who have never worked. All they know is government subsistence, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I always say, you know, again, the government can go away at any time. You you need to be able oh, to please. take oh, care please. of... please, go away. <laughs> no. But to take care of yourself, to be self-sustaining. I had a gal I came into contact with just last weekend. She came through our pantry. She's 28 years old, three kids, has never worked, doesn't understand how to work. What does work mean? And that's what this program is. So we take folks, we're going to have six sessions a year. Our first one's coming up in March. And for that, it, it what we're going to do is we're going to have two weeks of intense. You're coming to class between nine and three. You are to show up on time. You are be, to be addressed, dressed pro- appropriately. No cell phones during class time. We're going to take breaks. You know, I'm not going to be mm-hmm. a, a total taskmaster there. But, but that being said, what does it mean to work? We're going to take a look at the soft skills of, you know, if you get this job, what does that mean? If you're sick, you need to have you, you call in sick. If if you have transportation issues, you work those out. We work out the childcare issues. We figure out what those barriers are to not only get you into that perhaps first job ever. Um, for some, it's just getting you back on track. Something happened, so we need to get you back on track. Um, but to get that so that you can not only survive but thrive. And that's where a lot of folks get into the, well, it's good enough. I'm, I'm just surviving, right? Well, that's not good enough if you have a pipe break or the car has an engine problem or this or that. Then you come right back to where you were before. Mm-hmm. But you have to be working on what is my plan B? What is my plan C? How do I get the kids doing what they need to do so they don't see that this is how you live your life? So we're going to have this class. We're going to have several different career pathways we're going to explore. 
everything from health care to the trades to um, you know something perhaps like warehouse. So these working. would be these would be careers, careers. healthcare, yep. trades, which would be plumbing, plumbing, electrical, electrical contractor, working contractor. with a contractor right now, power tools. Yeah, those kinds of things that at the end of the two weeks. Those who go through the class and do everything appropriately, it's like, first of all, you'll, you'll be paid for going through the two weeks, so that'll be like... So these classes are paid? Mm-hmm. So you'll be paid to be in the class. That's the thing. You have to show up and, you know, make sure that you're doing what you need to do, but if you go through and you, you know, follow exactly mm-hmm. what we need you to do, then at the end of the two weeks, you will either have, and we're going to have mock interviews and real interviews of these employers. We're looking for employers now. I've got a few signed so on. So you're role-playing with the So uh, we're role-playing with them. But at the end of the two weeks, you're either going to have a paid internship or you're going to have a full-time job. You're kidding. True yes. enough. So what are you going to do? Like, let's say this 28-year-old that has yeah. the three children. Yeah, comes in. Uh, how about her daycare while she's doing this two-week of class? Absolutely. So what we need to do is figure out each one of our participants. We're going to figure out, okay, and I want them to do the work, too, of saying, mm-hmm. okay, here are areas to try. Um, we do have some grant money as well that we're going to work with if folks need to have some assistance mm-hmm. um, to get, you know, their child care. But it's not going to be a long-term child care. They have to be able to figure out, okay, if I'm going to do this as a real, you know, if I'm working 8 to 5 or whatever my hours are going to be, how do I get my children taken care of? What are what are my assets? A lot of times people don't even look at what are my assets. Do I have friends? Do I have family how do I get this so I'm on track? So you're not enabling them. You're no. you're, you're helping them. Make Put them in the driver's seat. And yeah. come up with their own right. answers, solutions. Yep, because I don't want them to see me as the benevolent person that's going to figure out everything. Because, again, that water pipe breaks. I don't know what to do. The car stops running. What do I do? Mm-hmm. I want folks to be able to be empowered to be able to say, okay, if this isn't working, this is what I do. This so you're trying to break it. that generational poverty, poverty, generational joblessness, generational right. depression. Right. And, and it's you, you get into this hole, and I think sometimes you think, I can't get out of this. One of the, the characteristics that I see a lot of are these gals who have one, two, three children, and there's no... Male support, which by mm-hmm. law, they should be giving them child support. There's no money coming from the guy into the household whatsoever. Mm-hmm. We've got to make sure that, you know, these kids are being taken care of. And what, you know, what is legally supposed to be happening there, their support, that that happens. Um, it, it's a great thing when that does happen. And again, going back to my, my previous job that I had, we had a gal who came to me one time, and I'm, I'm hoping, again, people don't get into this situation, but she had five children. Number six was going to be born in two weeks. She was getting absolutely no support, child support, from the dads. She was still working full-time and mm. not making it. But I am happy to tell you, at this point in her life right now, her goal was to go to school and to become a teacher. That's what her goal was. Mm-hmm. She is a junior now at one of our local colleges, still working full-time. We found two of the dads. So... So it's starting to work. It's working. 
and she's seen Morgan, but she knew, and I told her, right, you, you, you got, you got six kids, honey. Okay. I mean, let's just spell out what's mm-hmm. going on. We want to make sure those children are taken care of. But that being said, there's many, many things that we can do and many things you can do, but this isn't going to be an easy road. I don't want to sugarcoat it for people and say, oh, this is just going to be a walk in the park. You're going to get this job. And, you know, next thing you know, you're going to be flying off to Jamaica for vacations and this and that. Life sometimes is tough. That's just the way it is. I, I think we've, and maybe it's our social media, everybody thinks they're going to become Taylor Swift overnight, and that, that's just not going to happen. Right. The name of the program is Back to Work. It's at the St. Vincent de Paul Center out on Radford Road. That's where you're right. headquartered. You're yeah, located right, here right. Uh, today, Cindy. I had some advance notice that this program, Back to Work, has got a tremendous track record. It's been proven, uh, Is do I have it correct, out you over do. in Des, Mo- uh, Des Moines? Des Moines, where it originated, which is really cool. So this is not a pipe dream. This no. actually works this with a works tremendous... Across the country. Success rate. Across the country. Yeah, yeah. And so... For this program, now when I worked at Salvation Army, and this was Salvation Army nationwide, and my rate there of success rate was 35 to 40%, which actually for programs of this nature is pretty good. Not bad. Pretty good. This program, because of the intensity of it, yeah, you're going to take the two-week program, you're going to get employed. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to continue checking back with you. We're going to find mentors within the community and an employer council. So this particular program has about an 85 to 90% success rate that within one year, the participants who take this program that, you know, follow the steps. So what you're saying... From homelessness to joblessness to living despair. Yeah, and, and you can you can take, take it in a year's time. Eight people out of ten. Yeah, and and shine a light on their lives. And happier their their lives are happier. The community is happier because you have people who are participating now. Um, and, and becoming taxpayers. Becoming taxpayers, you know, and, and the very least of it, you know, I mean, I, it's not necessarily least, but they become a part of the community. That's they, right. They feel empowered. They feel, I think when you get into these situations, you don't feel like you're worthy, right? You don't feel like you're worthy. So how does that change? What Talk about the significance of that change, because I don't feel worthy, but now. But now, because, again, I'm empowered, I can make my decisions. I can go to a grocery store instead of, you know, we don't mind when folks come to the pantry, you need the food, etc, etc. You come to the pantry. But now I can go somewhere and I can pick out my own food. I can go to a clothing shop and I can pick out my own clothes. I don't have to have somebody telling me it's like for being perpetually a child and someone, you know, how we all wanted to get out of the house, or at least I did, you know, and, and you know, mm-hmm. be able to make our own decisions, drive our own cars, make those decisions. How important that is for us psychologically. And the self-esteem to, of it all. Of it all that lifts not only us up, but the children in the household and the lives that they impact. The hope is, again, is that folks come into this program. It's not just about the job. But it's about the body, the mind, and the spirit. Talk about the dates. Come on, you have well, the other it. thing I, I see for these people that you're getting out there and getting them in the workforce and the trades or whatever they choose to do is that you are giving them a whole new, another social group. Right. You're giving them other communities. How important is that, Cindy? Well, again, to see the role model of I've got about three or four right now. 
um, human resource people from that have just wanted, I called them and said, I know them and said, hey, would you like to be a part of this? That people can look at someone, another role model, someone else in the community Mm -hmm. that's different from someone that they are used to seeing or interacting with and and seeing a whole different perspective on life. How is the uh, business community responding? It's been very good. It's been very good. Very exciting. I've got a couple of jobs for sure right now that are open jobs that I said, well, I realize we're going to be starting this program in March. I'm not expecting that you have to keep that position open. And they're like, hey, you know, our employment situation is where it probably will be open regardless. So if we can have that as something for well, If someone... you look at the help wanted signs mm-hmm. on everybody's, they're in snowbanks yes. up right. and downtown yes. here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to be able to have that and the importance of having those mentors and those folks in the community that, that say, hey, you know what? I think that I want to give back. If it's just one person that you help, can you imagine? It's like that old shampoo commercial, right? And they help two friends and so on and right. so on and so on. Right. That's It's a multiplier effect. Mm-hmm. So when, when in March is this going and what do people need to do in February to get this right. get up Abs- to speed? Absolutely. So here we are right now as, as we are speaking, snow still on the ground. Maybe it won't be at the end of March. Who knows? It's the Midwest. Could turn around. But we're going to kick things off on March 20th. And so that's a Wednesday. And where's so this going to be at now? Will well, Bradford? what we're doing, we will. There's a couple of different locations. Actually, we've had a couple of folks volunteer, so the participants will be notified of where we're going to be doing this program. But they will be at a table with you know eight or ten other folks. We'll have some computer training too. That's going to happen with this. Mm-hmm. So, but in between, so that that kicks it off on that Wednesday. We have class that whole next week. We graduate on the 29th. That's just our first one. So if you don't make the first one, then you should certainly be able to, you know, just to contact us at St. Vincent de Paul, and we'll talk to you, get you signed up. We have an intake form. It's a real pretty simple form, who you are. So we're out on Radford Road. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's that address again? So um, we will get that address for you in just a second here. Do you have it here? Just give me two seconds. Do Do you have a maximum out? Uh, per class, Cindy? Yeah, well, we're trying to get, at least to start out with, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 8 to 10 folks just to start the class. And so with that, you know, we will probably take that. That's just our first class. So our second here, class. Right, right here, is that right? 4990? So that's 4990 Radford court or road you know it's right across from eleanor roosevelt the middle school and if you want more information on this you can certainly give me a call there the number is uh, 563-582-3733 that's extension one and uh, just it'll say for cindy press one so that's what you do right um so you call us out there but anyway just to get more information we will be posting this on our facebook site as well as on our website so if somebody knows someone who's been sleeping in a car or flopping at somebody's house they can uh, plant the the idea yeah and then you you put this idea in their head and say hey is this something that, that you want to do? Is this something that you need to do? How do we how do we help you? And that's that you know, or if you've got your son living in your basement and uh, <laughs> he needs help, he needs help. Yeah. You know, get him off the computer and say, you know, maybe maybe there is a computer job somewhere 
where you can do something that's exciting for the world. Wouldn't it be a great world if we all just worked to elevate each other? Exactly. And, yeah. The program's called Back to Work. That's back, the number two, work. And it does work. 85% of the people that go through the program. Cindy, all these programs cost money. Are are you accepting donations? How's this funded? What's that look mm-hmm. like? Absolutely. Get you know, 60 and, seconds. And as I mentioned, we have gotten a couple of grants, and we are very so thankful to that. Just want to say a shout-out to the DRA. We've gotten some money from those Boy, folks, too. Boy, they do too. a great job. They do a wonderful job. And again, community, giving back to community. But again, if you want to donate to us, which helps us out in many different ways, um, you can certainly give that to St. Vincent de Paul on your check. Just put back two, the number two, work on that. And you can send that out to us at 4990 Radford Court here in Dubuque, 52002. Or like I say, you want more information, give me a call, 563-582-3733, extension 1. And I'll be happy to help you out, either if you know somebody who's interested in the program or if you're interested in the program yourself. we got to talk in uh, April after this first program goes, yeah. Cindy, and, and uh, get a pulse of all the good things that are going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm so hopeful. Like I say, we've got some employers out there. And, you know, the information that I gave you as well, mm-hmm. if you have, if there are employers that are listening that are saying, you know what, I think this would be great because it's a great way. I mean, you help us and you've got an employer or employee. Everybody maybe, wins. Yeah, everybody wins. You, you needed that employee. You've got someone that you can train them how you need them trained. Voila. You know, imagine that gal that's never worked before and now you can kind of mold her into what you need her to be. Friend for life. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Cindy, we could talk for another hour, but we are flat out of time. Went fast. On the, it sure did, 116th episode of The Chatter. We've been talking to Cindy Coleman over at the St. Vincent de Paul and the Back to Work program, and we will have you back in uh, April after this is all over. Let's close in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory Glory be be to to the the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks to the folks at Hotworks for sponsoring this 116th episode of The Chatter. Tune in again next week. We love you.